extent of people like Anita Roddick. There are individuals who built up far larger business empires who have not made the cut. But she was the first to fuse business and ethical concerns in a way that appealed to the mainstream, and in doing so she had an impact on the world out of all proportion to the size of her business. The list also has a strong US bias, but that shouldn't surprise anyone. The twentieth century, the century in which the modern world of business was made, has been largely a US century. And most of the business world's seismic changes, from automation to outsourcing to the dot-com revolution and the financial crisis, have had their genesis in the United States. For nearly one hundred years, the greatest concentration of wealth and entrepreneurial talent the world has ever seen has been American. Had this book been published in 1911, it would probably have been dominated by the British. And were it to be published a hundred years hence, Indian and Chinese business people could well dominate. There's another reason too. It is perhaps the nature of Anglo-Saxon capitalism that leads it to produce so many influential people. Capitalism, as practiced in the United States, has two notable attributes that set it apart. Firstly, it's very winner-takes-all. This tends to produce highly visible heroic figures who are venerated above all because they represent more or less the capitalist American dream. Places like Europe and Japan do have their hugely influential business people, but they tend to be far lower key, and there is a far more consensual, collegiate culture. Britain, as ever, sits somewhere in the middle. U.S. capitalism is also extraordinarily disruptive, especially when compared to somewhere like Japan. Old paradigms die quickly and new ones rise to take their place. Again, this tends to produce heroic figures. These factors are both strengths and weaknesses, but capitalism practiced this way does tend to throw up more iconic figureheads than its other variants. If it's hard to pick game-changers by their actions, then what about trying to pin down their attributes? For instance, one might expect that to be a great business thinker, you need to be extraordinarily clever. And there's no doubt that some of them are, especially those in clever industries. The Google duo, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, are all undoubtedly extremely bright people. Yet being clever is not a prerequisite. The old cliché that a lot of business is not rocket science has more than a grain of truth to it. In many industries, there are extremely successful individuals who probably score very highly in terms of emotional intelligence, but are not especially outstanding in terms of their brains. As Sir Martin Sorrell says, business isn't brain surgery, is it? Rigby, 2004. So too with background. It's tempting to think that the Rockefellers of our age either rose effortlessly from gilded launch pads or clawed their way up from desperate poverty. Sometimes it's true. Oprah Winfrey grew up in very difficult conditions in the Deep South, and there are those on the list who, as the saying goes, were born on third base. But equally, there are plenty of middle-class backgrounds out there too. Great business thinkers are drawn from all walks of life. The BBC's Robert Peston, 2009, has talked about the entrepreneur's wound, which suggests that an awful childhood, which one is constantly running away from, can be the key to success. Again, there is some truth to this. The swashbucklingly ambitious are not necessarily happy or motivated by what could be described as healthy ambition, 
and their victories may well be at the expense of others. People who are very successful are often slightly or hugely screwed up, says former Granada chief Jerry Robinson, Rigby 2004. Something in that drive is negative. It could be looking for something that's not there. It could be fear of failure. I mean, look at someone like Murdoch. What the hell's he doing it for? Is another deal going to make any difference? There ought to be some learning in life. But you can be a game changer and be well balanced. For every Sam Walton, there are people who have achieved huge success and do seem to be genuinely happy. Richard Branson is forever moving on to the next thing, yet his drive seems to be bound up in a kind of permanent cheerfulness. And others, ranging from Buffett to the Google pair, seem pretty happy with their lot. Nor do you have to treat people badly. Certainly there are those like Facebook's Zuckerberg who seem to leave a trail of the aggrieved, but what of Tim Berners-Lee and Anita Roberts?